and just having that experience of, you know, racing freely, you know, you or performing freely, even if it's a training ride or like just go out there and feel it, you know, don't, don't lose what that is to connect with that part of your body. Because, you know, when you're in flow state and you're feeling it, it doesn't matter what the numbers say at all. You're not paying attention to that anyways. And so let's try to incorporate that more often because that's something that is hard to replicate. But it, when it happens, it is so beautiful. We're doing good. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Bounce Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Leach, author, speaker, and coach. And this is the show that motivates us to get out and move by diving into the deep end with athletes and adventurers, sharing inspiring stories of endurance and perseverance. Listen in as I sit down with bold and daring humans, pushing the limits of what their mind and body can achieve, inspiring you, the listener, to bounce forward with resilience and fortitude. Don't call to come back because they never went anywhere. To bounce to the next. forward. <laughs> On to the next. To bounce yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. To bounce forward. Yeah. Hello and welcome back to the Bounce Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Leach. We continue to be a work in progress, but we've got a good conversation for you here today. We definitely have some good conversations in the pipeline. Uh, we're still very much a one-man wrecking crew here, so uh, we've got some conversations sitting on the hard drive, and I'm slowly plugging away to get them published. It's been a, a busy and dynamic winter. We're on the run, uh, wrapping up the the coaching season here, where I coach high school basketball in Montana. My daughter's in the championship swim season, just wrapped up her high school state championship meets, uh, the club state meets. We go to divisionals and billings this weekend for, for basketball, Missoula for state next weekend. And then we head to Federal Way the following weekend for sectionals for swim. Uh, so we've got, got a, some, some dynamic uh, weeks of competition here. Uh, I really wanted this to be our first episode of 2024 uh, because this is an inspiring woman we've got with us today. We've had her on the show before. Uh, It's one of the most listened to episodes despite the technical difficulties that we we ran into the first time around. Uh, She's not only a fan favorite, but she's a family favorite. And she was certainly one of my mom's favorite people that that we sat down with for a conversation in, in 2023 for the first year of the Bounce Forward podcast. If you haven't already listened to it, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to episode six, uh, Surrendering with the Resilient Rose Grant. Uh, she was tremendous in that. Uh, there's there's such a depth of, of wisdom in that episode. And with that said, we've got the one and only Rose Grant back with us today. Uh, once again, we ran into some tech- technical difficulties uh, that made getting to this point of actually being able to publish this episode a big and heavy lift. Uh, there was actually a point where I thought we might not get to the finish line here. I got to say, come on, Riverside, uh, we can do better than this. Yeah, Riverside being our, our recording platform. I shared a lovely conversation with Rose at uh, the end of January. And then when I went into the, 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 the studio to edit the conversation, everything went sideways uh, in the recording. They, they lost about eight to ten minutes of her side of the conversation. 
so, so it is with these wilderness recordings from the wilds of Montana, uh, but with some grit, resilience, and determination, I was able to make some cuts and edits and, and get us back on track. So forgive me for the, for the few times when we speak over each other. Uh, that is simply a result of the splicing and dicing of the recording, uh, trying to get it together and it not quite fitting perfectly. With that said, we've got great uh, audio for this one. So I think it's much better than the first time around. Um, Rose is quintessential Rose in this episode. And I'm confident that cyclists, endurance athletes, performers, and any human listening will walk away from this one feeling inspired and lifted up. Uh, there's something about my conversations with Rose, whether they're in person or, or, or like this uh, over a platform uh, on the World Wide Web. They just seem to flow seamlessly. At least that's how it felt to the two of us as we exchanged some correspondence afterwards. So I really hope you enjoy this one. Um, this also feels like the perfect time to introduce to you, the listener, uh, our big project for 2024. I will include a link in the show notes. Uh, to my writing, uh, to the purpose behind the push, the fundraising goal uh, on August 10th. Um, I, I hopefully will be taking on the challenge of a lifetime, racing 104 miles on the infamous and world-renowned Leadville 100 mountain bike course. Uh, it's an iconic route, traversing high altitude and rugged terrain across gnarly and rutted Jeep roads with a, a splash of single track in the heart of the Colorado Rockies. The race starts at over 10,000 feet and gains over 11,000 feet of climbing uh, over the course of the, the roughly 12 hours in the saddle as 1,600 riders go for it, navigating what they call the race across the sky. And Leadville is to mountain bikers what Kona is to Ironman triathletes. Uh, it's the stuff of legends. So we've already hit that fundraising goal. Uh, we're just shy of 4500 right now, but we're going to keep this push going because for every $2,500 that we raise, we can send a young person affected by a life-changing medical diagnosis to one of First Ascent's impactful programs. So we hope that you will ride this wave with us, and I look forward to keeping you posted on the training and the fundraising efforts between now and August. And with that, let's jump right into my conversation with Rose Grant. I hope you enjoy the listen and I'll catch you at the end of the show. Good morning, Rose. Good morning. How are you? Great. It's so good to see you. It's great it's so to, good see to see you. you. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry that this was You're a done? challenge to you. Um, yeah. Just, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine. You know, you, you know the, the world of Montana parents, uh, the Montana parents on, on the run. I always say adapt, adjust, reload. When I get off with you, I'm going to be jumping over the hill with my dad uh, over Homestake Pass to Butte uh, to catch one, maybe two of Kamaya's events today. And then I got to jump back here for, for games tonight at Bozeman High. Oh, yes. uh, we play we play Bill, Billing Senior. And then tomorrow morning, I'll get up early and drive to Missoula and back in the day just to watch her compete in the pool. So, oh, it's, um, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. And I'm always impressed with people that have multiple children doing all kinds of different things. <laughs> I think, gosh, keeping up with one is, is a lot. For sure. It is. It is. So, so is it, are you, you're down in Arizona today? I'm in or? Tucson. I arrived late last night Tucson? or nice. early this morning. Okay. And, okay. um, did you drive down or no, I flew. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing about being in Northwest Montana is it is so far to drive anywhere. Yeah. Almost makes it impossible. Just the extra time that it would take on the road to, 
away from the family, I guess, primarily too. Yeah. So, and I found a relatively affordable airfare, which was really awesome. Nice. Um, Flying out of Kalispell. Yeah. Or... Yep. Delta. Yeah. Yep. Quick way over in Salt Lake and then landed in Tucson. Mm-hmm. So pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, I'm down here to bike pack um, and go to okay. one oh, of my previous teammates' baby showers. So um, it's a good, okay. fulfilling trip in store. Um, yeah, I was actually able to ride outdoors a fair bit at home in December. Um, yeah, it was a crazy, yeah, was we had really, such a nice December. Really warm for most of it and just, you know, the skiing wasn't great. And so I was trail running and mm. riding my bike quite a bit. And when I say quite a bit, it's like way less than it ever used to be, um, sure. but quite a bit for me. And then January hit and it was just, <clears throat> just really variable <laughs> with uh, the really cold storm that we had and lots of snow and um, yeah. And then it's back to being warm again, back home. So yeah, I'm going to get back from this bike pack trip. I might feel fit enough to continue building and it might be possible. But we're doing a big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, big loop. It's actually not huge. It's it's going to be moderate okay. days, um, like okay. 50 or 60 mile days on our mountain bikes. We're doing, a, uh, I, I think it's the Sky Islands um, route plus oh, air, oh, some yeah, Arizona I know that trail. Yeah. Um, so we'll incorporate some single track and, you know, full fully supported. So we'll be camping along the way. So it'll be good. It's just a small group of us. Right. Um, yeah, Evelyn Gong and Caitlin Boyle. So, yeah, just a couple really close oh, friends nice. from bike racing. So Caitlin, she's she's in Jackson Hole, right? Or no, she in Victor. Yeah. Is she in Victor? Victor. Caitlin, is she in Jackson Hole or Victor? Yep. Yeah, Victor. Yeah, so we're yeah. all kind of escaping the yeah. winter. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Where's Evelyn riding. these days? Is she in, is she in Salt California? Lake. Or where is she? Um, oh, Salt she bounces Lake. around okay. still. Yeah. yeah. So what are you, are you going to be on your Wilder? Are you going to be on the Joplin? What are you, what are you going to be riding? So I'm on my custom highball. It's actually the Santa Cruz highball, but oh, nice. oh, oh, I have a custom cool. painted frame. It says Juliana on it. So okay. yeah, I think we'll be doing quite a bit of dirt roads. So I, um, <clears throat> I ended up putting, taking my dropper post off of it and putting a rigid post on so that I could carry a saddle, the big saddle bag without it interfering with the battery um shortening my stem quite a bit trying to get a little more out of the like full-on race mode position um so shortening and raising my stem a little bit <clears throat> and what else i think it's about it but okay. yeah how many days of field how many days of field are you, you four, on? four 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 days. days yeah three nights four days Yep, and then they'll have oh, just a couple a days trip. on the other end to, yeah, just unwind, maybe go for a trail run or something. And yeah, yeah it's a good way to break up the winter. Oh, it's a real good way to break up a winter. We've got a good friend here in uh, in Livingston who's um, down in Tucson in the winter. He spends his winters down there, and he's constantly 
he's texting me. We, we, we text out, we're, we're big wordle people in the family. And so I check in with him quite a bit. I've had a good string going. I've had a couple twos and, and threes lately here. And he's like, you got to get down here, stop playing wordle and get down here and yeah. ride your bike, get out and for some outdoor swims. Mm-hmm. So Kamai and I were, we're, we're grinding pretty hard on, on the, you know, five, five thirty AM swims yeah, and, and just those, you know, swim, swimming here in the winter in the dungeon, it's dark. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you see these, these these posts and videos of the pools down there and the combination of the pools and the, the outdoor pools and the and the riding at Mount Lemon it looks it looks like an exquisite place to spend some time in the winter. Rose, I just dropped Kamaya off at the at the bus, and she said to say hi. And she and I got to tell you, last week I I felt like the luckiest guy in the world. Last Friday, so a week ago Friday, we were playing up at Great Falls against the the Bison. And it just so happened to be like the basketball gym and the pool are, you know, within a stone's throw from each other. So when we're in between games, I often, when we're playing up there, I often go to the pool and just just sit in there and watch practice, whatever's going on. Well, there was a meet going on and Kamaya was competing. And so uh, I was able to get our, our, our head coach, uh, who I assist, I'm the head JV coach, I was able to get him to take over my bench for two minutes so I could go see Kamaya pop one off and she was swimming against the, the, the number one 53 style swimmer in the state of Montana this year and Kamaya was right there with her and, and she swam the sixth fastest 53 uh, in Montana by a high school girl this year. So And then two weeks ago she swam the, the fourth fastest 100 breast in the state by a girl this year. So she's, she's fired and she's she's popping them off wow so, um, congratulations yeah, yeah. i know you'd appreciate that wow good for yeah. her i mean it takes an immense amount of dedication and drive to be successful in that such a high competitive field especially for a high school kid um yeah. so yeah that's exciting for her she has a future there if she wants to Wait. She 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 she's, she she sure uh, identifies with and is is inspired by by Rose Grant. So yeah, uh, that that the, the endurance. You know, I, we always say she's got this. Her coach says she's got the endurance, and then she's got the open water courage. Oh. and I think she she brings that. Like like this morning, we were talking about today because you know they're they're somewhat in their taper now. They're two weeks out from state. So okay. state the state meet up in Great Falls is two weeks from yesterday. And so today my message to her was just, hey, K-Bear, like, just get wet. You love being in the water. Get wet. Yeah. Like, practice racing. You get to compete. You you love to compete. And then just have fun. Because I know she starts to, this time of year, you know, the last year. She, yeah, she got a little sick. She kind of, they kind of missed the taper a bit. And so um, she starts watching those times so much. And I've really been trying to help her to differentiate um, it's something I do in my, my, my work as a mental performance coach is trying to help people untangle, uh, loosen the grip on their identity as far as their results mm-hmm. and help them differentiate the difference between swimming well or, 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 or playing well and the, and the outcome and the results. Yeah. So we're trying to really get her to think more about just feeling good, feeling fast, moving water and not so not worrying so much about what the the clock says here these next next two days. I think that is so refreshing to hear. I have such a conflicting relationship with competition, um, especially with young kids and how hard you push them. You know, if you can really maintain like the the piece that is talent and the art form that it it can be, um, 
and keeping it fun and refreshing. Um, yeah. I think it's yeah. just so important because I think, boy, they're just too young to really, to really have the experience to know how to handle the pressure and how they mm-hmm. identify with the result, their value, where, where does that lot put them, you know, on, in their results and how does that affect them? You know, it can just like be so demoralizing for anyone, but for a young girl, even specifically trying to navigate their own personal value as they grow up into a young woman, um, it is a fine balance. So you're doing such a good job as a dad and you clearly have tons of experience with um, that age group, boys and girls and sport that she is very lucky to have you. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I, um, I don't, I mean, I have my own daughter. I don't coach any um, juniors right now, but um, you know, I do think that there are, our juniors out there that are very dedicated and very focused and um, you know, it's like, how do you as a parent or as a coach encourage that how, and then also like keep it light and keep, keep them grounded so that they know their value doesn't, it's not connected to their performance because the industry and their friends and their coach, like clearly, like good performances give you a lot of positive affirmation that your value is very closely connected to performance. And so you have to really like figure out what that means. And it is tricky. It's so tricky. That's so, that's so beautifully put Rose. You know, I, I, I had a, one of one of the coaches I used to work with, uh, Megan Kanoki, you'd love her. She's she's actually getting inducted into the University of Miami Athletic Hall oh, of Fame cool. this spring. Uh, she was the Defensive Player of the Year on the basketball team in the Big East back in like two thousand one, I want to say. And she just uh, introduced me to uh, a potential client, but they they were quite young. It was a it was a sixth grader, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, you know, I, I really haven't I've 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 coached sixth graders, but I haven't worked much especially recently uh in the mental performance and mindset coaching arena sitting down for 50 minute sessions with a sixth grader mm-hmm. so i sat down with this young guy and and it went really well and i'm really excited because mm-hmm. I, I you know i feel like we can we can really really help him with with the perspective and with that sense of self but just to hear the pressure this little guy it's feels not from his not parents fair. yeah, yeah but, Yeah. Yeah. This little, he's like, I call him like a little man. He's like this little man talking about, I need to carry my team in my backpack. Mm. And I'm like, no, I was was like, let's, let's, uh," I said, that's movie stuff. This, this idea of you got to be the man or you got to be the, you know, like you just, you just got to be, you just got to be you, you know, like we, you got, you got, you just got to be you. So um, hearing that, I'm going to make sure I play that uh, for Kamaya, uh, that, that, that Rose Grant ism, because that was beautifully put. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's, it is, you know, hard work and getting up at 530 in the morning and, and doing the work like it's inspiring. It's, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's good um, as long as it's balanced with like, you know, yeah. the, the right balance, I think. The f- um, the, that fun. Yeah. And I think for these young athletes, I know for Kamaya, she's so serious. She's so driven. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we really have to work on the comparisons, like not, 
not getting caught up with comparing herself today with, with somebody else. And again, just more the, the feel for the water, the process. Is she holding water? Does she feel yeah. fast more so than, than, than looking at the clock? But, but, but I, I find, a, I, th- I think for most athletes, but especially for young athletes, if we can help them be loose, as you just said, be loose, be light. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just, it just free, th- freeze thing up, you well, know, freeze things up. You know, I told yeah. you, you go ahead. Uh, as athletes and not just as a cyclist, but I'm sure there's, you know, very close data, you know, every in every sport where you're like trying to be calculated and you're trying to, you know, produce these data numbers that feel like you can be proud of them. And as a coach, I feel like the more the industry gravitates towards, you know, all this data, you know, mm-hmm. with even, you know, how even you know, HRV and like, I don't know, like, you know, the whoop strap, you know, calculating where your recovery is supposed to be and your fitness score on training peaks. And, um, you know, it just never ends that I, I just tend to try to get, um, away from that a little bit and really encourage my athletes to connect with perceived effort. And just having that experience of, you know, racing freely, you know, you yeah. or performing freely, even if it's a training ride or like just go out there and feel it, you know, don't, don't lose yes. what that yes. is to connect with that part of your body. Because, you know, when you're in flow state and you're feeling it, it doesn't matter what the numbers say at all. You're not paying attention to that anyways. And so let's try to incorporate that more often because that's something that is hard to replicate, but when it happens, it is so beautiful. Let, let, let me let I'd like to dive a little deeper into that since you, since you went there um, you know I'm a big believer as a, as a coach uh, as a cycling coach as a, as a mindset coach as somebody who you know I told you this morning I was going to be a game time decision I woke up to swim at 5 a.m and I had a wicked migraine mm-hmm. you know I was coaching late last night and then I'm we're, we're big tennis fans uh, love Novak Djokovic uh, he was in a dog fight last night so I was up far too late watching that match um, and woke up this morning not sure if I was able to pull this off and in migraine mode and I was in the kitchen you know with with the hat on and the sunglasses and the lights off hooking up all the Ooh, the breakfast yeah. for Kamaya to get it to get her ready and to get her get her out the door but you know for me myself on a personal level with an autoimmune disorder with chronic migraine um, with a clotting disorder like I, I've, I've had to learn to train intuitively mm-hmm. like I can put together a plan I can put together a you know build out a, a six-month plan and then break it down for you know month to month do the blocks but but even a weekly training block for me it's so when you have chronic migraine two times a week or you're dealing with some tendinopathies for me it becomes a real game time decision so I'm curious both personally as an athlete that has such a rich history in the endurance sport and now as a coach how how much did you I know you've had great coaching but how much did you train intuitively and and how much it sounds like you're encouraging your athletes to find that 
like you say, that feel um, and, 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 and some intuition in the training. I don't know if you'd expand upon yeah, that. Yeah, to hear absolutely. Thoughts. Yeah, I mean, when I was training in structure, you know, a lot of my, uh, my workouts were, um, you know, workouts that were given, I guess, power ranges um, to, to train within those power zones. Um, and I use them, you know, but I think to just be aware, like, all right, sub threshold is feeling really hard today. Yeah. Like I'm going to just aim for the lower end of that zone. And, um, you know, I really always tried to complete my workouts, even if I wasn't, I don't know, hitting the prescribed numbers because it does just really fall back on perceived effort. And normally that information mm -hmm. is offering you something else like you're tired or you're maybe getting overtrained. Um, there's, or you're getting sick. There's usually a reason mm -hmm. that you're not yeah. feeling good. And so to just connect with that and just, um, you know, I guess I, I, there absolutely also have been a few workouts that I've abandoned. And then, you know, I think, you have to do that with full commitment and belief that that is, was the best decision for you. It didn't happen often, um, but it does happen occasionally. And I think that you just really, and when it's necessary, it's okay to give yourself permission to do that or to modify, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you do five of seven intervals or, um, and then there were also times where I'd go out and I was hitting, you know, the upper end of the power zone or, or surpassing it. And I felt totally in control and unstoppable. And, you know, I, I just played with that a little bit without like completely changing the intensity zone that I was supposed to be training, even if I felt like I could go harder. Um, but you know, you know, when you're reaching new fitness levels too, because the sensations that you're, you're having, you're able to just go, go harder, go stronger, go longer, um, go deeper in your heart rate is like, you just feel in control. Um, but it was normally in race situations where it might not happen until you're two hours in to a race and, and things just kind of come together and there's no way you're crashing. There's no way you're flatting, knock on wood. There's no way that your body's going to bonk because um, you're just unstoppable. And it's not that you're like maybe going incredibly hard, like a VO2 max effort, but just so steady and so consistent and so calculated and so dialed um, that, yeah. So I think, yeah, data numbers are important so, to use as a guideline. You know, I think that they're all guidelines. There are in heart rate too, um, you know, your whoop strap, your, you know, all of that. It's just, they're tools to kind of help to guide you. But if you lose touch with, you know, your own ability, your subconscious to connect with that part of, that part of you, um, then you're missing a huge component of being an athlete and, and what it means to train and push your body. You're, you could almost, almost be limiting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it sounds like you have you have always had an innate uh, feel for the effort. When you were doing, I know you do a lot of sub-threshold work, were you typically using you know power, heart rate, and RPE in that situation? Um, and then just to piggyback on that, at a, at a race like Leadville, where, you, where you've had so much success and where there's the elevation factor, which obviously changes heart rate so much, were, were you primarily racing uh, based off of feel and effort or were you did you have a power number set were you looking at heart rate um so yeah the, i guess the, yeah expand on training and and racing yeah for racing um it's really pretty highly encouraged to almost never like use power or to have it even mm -hmm. visible on your spike computer so that you can't see it um mm -hmm. i usually almost never paid attention to heart rate either but since you brought up Leadville, I will say that for Leadville specifically, because of the altitude, I did look at my heart rate to just make sure that I wasn't going too deep. Um, I personally have a pretty low heart rate, so I would try to cap it in the mid 150s. <clears throat> um, it would have been sustainable for me. Um, power, I didn't pay attention to. Um, and I also will add, just because you mentioned it, and I do kind of specialize in um, coaching athletes for Leadville, is yeah. I also always would get there um, like two weeks early because it does take an adaptation process to kind of relearn the feel for riding at that altitude. Because um, it mm. is like completely different sensations, just, you know, where your cap is and how you recover from hard efforts and really how difficult it is to go hard and how different your heart rate responds. Um, so it's all very mm -hmm. different when it gets to be, you know, that nine, 10,000 feet in altitude. Um, and so that's, that's just like, Leadville is so different than most racing. Um, but yeah, I would say in competition, I never use power. Um, normally the, the screens that I always looked at on my computer would be um, the distance. So I knew where I was at within the race um, time. And what else? I think those were probably it. Maybe heart rate, um, maybe time of day, which doesn't really didn't really pay any attention to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you, racing it, you know, at at, at Breck yeah, this Breck year, is really similar. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very, you know, you you hear all these things, you know, all these things, you study. I mean, to get your level two USA Cycling coaching certification, you got to go through all the all the exercise physiology and the exercise science, the kinesiology, you know, these things. And I was, you know, I was very aware of how my heart rate could respond, but, but what you just described was the thing that, you know, I, I guess I, um, I could conceptualize, but it wasn't until I was there that I was able to really feel was what you just explained as far as, man, if you went too deep, like you went, if I let that heart rate, you know, I'm not using power, but I definitely, I don't keep heart rate on the, the whole time. Like I'll, 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 I'll change the screen so I can't see it, but I'll check in on uh -huh. it, especially on an effort. If I'm feeling like maybe I'm going too deep. And when I went too deep, for instance, trying to race with these three or four riders who were very strong, 
uh, man, it, it was hard to recover. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I noticed. It was right. really hard. It, it felt like once I went too deep, it was hard to recover. And when I got done with day one, come on, Amanda, we're so thrilled. And they looked at me, they're like, oh man, you, you finished with, you know, the, 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 I, what I tend to do is I try and find really strong, uh, females um that that i think like okay this 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 is going to be a strong female who's going to have a, a strong finish I, I feel like often they race smarter i feel like mm-hmm. often they race with less ego yeah. um like as far as like just going out yeah. hard and and these and, and i could tell these these two women were i mean they were stronger than me um they were fitter than me and and when we finished together amanda was like oh that's that was such a great ride and i looked at her with deer in the headlights i go I went way too hard. Oh, I was yeah. like, I did, they did. I was like, they didn't go as hard as I went today. Uh-huh. Like, I was like, they didn't bury themselves. So I was like, I went way too hard keeping up with, keeping up with them. And then I felt it day two and I had a, had a crash that was really more of just a fatigue. It felt oh. like a fatigue thing. Had a, I, I rebounded for day, mm-hmm. day three, but I did not have, I did not feel strong day yeah. two just from that effort and then and then you know the 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 sleep is a little precarious when you get up in Breckenridge at 10,000 feet yeah yeah well let's let's ask one of the questions since you went there I was going to ask you is let's talk a little bit I mean we like to call you in these parts in Montana the queen of Leadville I mean you have this this tremendous history in Leadville um tell us about your relationship to Leadville now I'd love to hear you uh, share a little bit as far as like what was it like not racing it last year for the for the first time and however long and just what you're doing as far as your coaching and and, and just um, yeah how, how you're staying in, involved and engaged in, in Leadville today. All right, Leadville, yeah, it's special to me. I think it was kind of the pinnacle of my century style of racing, or I don't know what you would call it. It's like maybe a little longer than a marathon, but anything hundred mile type races. I think when you crack like that four or five hour length distance is probably the longest that I had done prior to doing Leadville. Um, And it's a little intimidating. It also was like an acceptance of moving on from primarily focusing on cross country Olympic style of races, which was really the focus for my era when I was um, really first starting and trying to grow as an athlete, it was really all about like the world cup um, cross country Olympic races and the Olympic qualifications. And it just really felt like a lot of pressure. And I was like pretty focused on, uh, I, I guess I was like, I knew, I know I can be successful there. I just need opportunity. Well, when the opportunity really never seemed to, to, open the doors for me um, and or it just seemed like there was a lot of resistance um, to me having an opportunity to to pursue that uh, discipline um, I feel like what do you think that was about Rose or like do, do you I don't know if you'd expand upon um, that what do you feel like the resistance well, was or the I have a family you know I had a family you know a young child and you know my mm-hmm. husband the entire my entire racing career um, which I mean, because yeah, you, you didn't start till what, 29, 30? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to say it limited yeah. me, but it definitely changed like what I felt like I was able to offer. Maybe how you perceive, yeah. Um, okay. Not in a bad way necessarily, but, um, you know, you can't really have it all. And so I kind of had to figure out, you know, where I belonged and, and also where my motivation lied. You know, it's like 
okay, do I want to be a top 10 contender on the World Cup stage? Because then I feel like I would be accepted into this, um, you know, national team, you know, kind of thing. And that would feel good, you know, as an athlete trying to grow and, and to be um, legitimized. And so I wanted that naturally. I think we all all would um, admit to wanting something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, those tracks are they're 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 different. They're quite technical, which I was never I wasn't bad at it, but I wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they're really shorter. Like cross country Olympic was always the hardest discipline for me biologically, like just that effort. Um, I could go a little bit lower for way longer, or I could go a little bit harder for a lot shorter and do pretty well. But right in the middle, like an hour and a half was super tough for me, even to train it Mm -hmm. repetitively. Mm -hmm. And so I just think, you know, it was the process of accepting where my talent actually lied and offering it the space to allow that to kind of yeah, just accepting that I didn't have to be a World Cup Olympic um, top 10 contender to be a good, strong athlete. Like, I could do Leadville. And and I think it was kind of just offering that up to myself and being like, hey, let's do what you are naturally going to be good at. Um, and let's just explore this other direction that there are so many different disciplines and opportunities within cycling, you don't have to do this one specific thing because it, it wasn't working out repetitively. I got injured over and over and over mm-hmm. on those um, so, yeah, international yeah. race courses. Um, <clears throat> and once I allowed myself the space to race Leadville, I remember finishing that event. And um, yeah, I remember it so clearly just looking at um, my team manager at the time and I just looked at him and I was like, you're right. Like that wasn't even that hard. <laughs> and um, that was the first time I raced it and I won. Um, and that was my slowest time in, in all three times that I raced it was 2019. Um, and then I continued to expand upon that. 2021 was faster and I won. And then 2022 was a little bit slower still under 730 and I was but second. it was still a very fast yeah yeah, yeah you had so a fast ride in 2022 to, to also remember when you know we're talking about our personal performances and in comparison yes. it's all relative it's like, yeah it's all in mean, the field around you perspective you know the time and dedication <laughs> the tools the talent that you know I felt like I was trying to keep up with was surpassing what I was able to offer. And Mm. there was like that, that conflict of like, you know, I can't, I can't offer that, that same, that same amount of, I'm already, you know, sacrificing a lot to, to offer what I am. And I can't do more, you know, wintering in Montana, Mm. as you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you look at the, indoor trainer wahoo warriors wahoo warriors yeah that are down here in arizona for the winter and it's just like there's no way i can you know keep up and yeah and i always like really tried to reaffirm myself that less can be more 
and that really proved true yeah. for me. Yeah. I was like, I can, I can perform well in races doing half the volume of most of these athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Just by being more structured in your training, more intentional in your training. Probably. Less of that and, you know, base one person, work early, more focused. Yeah, and one person doesn't match yeah. another. You know, sometimes more yeah, doesn't no. always mean better. Um, Rose, I, I think it's safe to say you have a pretty freakish physiology when you talk about a, a, a race pace of winning Leadville and saying it didn't feel that hard. Well, I think my body <laughs> so, loves you know, like yeah, that tempo yeah, sub-threshold. Yeah, I just yeah, like diesel engine yeah. all day. I can just do it. You're built for it. And yeah. then preparing for the altitude too at that race specifically was really important. So so, so speak to that. So as far as the uh, acclimatization, um, most people don't have, if I'm going to Leadville, I don't have two weeks, right. you know, so like when we show up to Breckenridge, we showed up the race. It started on a Sunday. We showed up on Friday. We spent Thursday night in the Bighorns yep. to get a little elevation. We were going to spend them outside of Laramie at like 9,000 feet, but getting off work as far as we could get was the Bighorns. So we got a, got a little elevation there, but we're rolling in Friday. I'm getting one little shakeout ride Saturday. What, how would you coach people up going to Leadville if you don't have that? two to three weeks to acclimatize yeah. you know you hear some say you hear some say that third day's the worst so show up the day before um you, you hear some say 48 hours uh, i know a guy who went under nine last year um and he you know he was going for the big belt buckle had a good ride and i think he showed up for a saturday race on a wednesday and he said he should have showed up tuesday like what's your how would you, and I know the real mystery here is without testing and knowing people's physiology and what have you, it's different for everybody. But what would, if you had a general recommendation to an athlete without access to a bunch of testing, um, you know, what, what, what would you recommend? Yeah. I mean, at that point you play it safe, but it is a puzzle piece because it is so different for everybody. And even in the pro field, mm -hmm. You know, there were athletes showing up on the Tuesday before a Saturday race, which, you know, by the book is like within that window. That's probably not a good decision. Um, and I asked, you know, I've asked. Do you them, like that decision better, though, than showing up the, you know, I'm sure you've heard the recommendation for a lot of the Joes and Jills show up the day before. If you can't show up a week or two before, show up the so day before. You hear. I did what, what, this. Yeah. Um, so I did this. In actually, it was 2019 because uh, cross country Olympic okay. Nationals was at Winter Park, and I drove down there with Layla, and we showed up right before, and I felt horrible that for that weekend. Of course, the intensity is really wow. high, um, and Winter Park, Colorado, is this is in winter yeah, as okay. high as Leadville. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really brutal. Um, I managed to pull off a. I think I don't even remember. Okay, results, nothing, um, nothing to write home about. And then let's. Was this build. marathons? Did you say no cross country Olympic? No, I was gonna say because you were winning marathons. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So five time let five time marathon yeah. champ. What is it? Is it five yeah. time? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I lost okay, my, so this was my okay. title um, the year I retired. So I retired without okay. any titles, which was kind of confirmation that maybe it was a good decision that's been done but yeah okay. um also yeah. that i showed up and athletes had to earn that rather than just being yeah. done but 
yeah, but back to how I did it that year, um, <clears throat> then I stayed down there in Colorado because um, Leadville was two weeks later after Cross Country Nationals. And I could, I could tell within that two weeks just in staying down there and training and riding down there in the time um, how different and how much better my body felt and adjusting. And um, so it's a, definitely a real process. Um, mm. there are people that do claim it's mental and it definitely, is. um, you know, mm. but also worrying about it a lot could affect you negatively. I'm not saying that it wouldn't. For sure. Um, uh, but so I knew after that experience, um, having had done both, um, showing up and trying to race the day before and then having two weeks that the two week version for me was going to be what I needed to make happen. Um, Cause Leadville was for me like a very important event. And, you know, I put thousands of training hours Absolutely. into this race. And so I was going to just make sure that I was dialed and committed to the details to not screw it up at the last two weeks prior to the event, which mm -hmm. is really easy to do. Um, whether that be, with your training or your fueling or your hydration, <clears throat> um, showing up, um, you know, four or five days before could be fine for a lot of people. As I noted at the beginning of the show, we had some technical difficulties that we weren't aware of at the time of the recording. And unfortunately, we lost about eight minutes of Rose's words of wisdom. So that's it for acclimatization. The next soundbite, I'll be asking Rose about her transition from her prolific racing career as one of the best endurance racers in the country to her next life chapter. Uh, we did lose a chunk of that recording, so her answer will jump straight into her work with horses, so it won't be the smoothest transition. Uh, and she'll share her decision to start her horse training journey with a pony of her own. What about the transition, what this transition year has been like for you you know in, in in my second book i i have a section that i call the remake uh all about about the, the the that that next season that that remake and obviously you know being being a a, a wife being a, a passionate mom uh to layla has been foundational for you um you know so you've always had that to lean on that's it seems like you have it, it appears that you have such a strong sense of self and sense of identity but i'm, I'm curious how this first year has looked because i know for us personally in this house, you've inspired uh, this this uh, young young man in, in his 40s looks up to Rose Grant. My 16-year-old looks up to Rose Grant. And if you told us we could be top 10 routinely on the on the World Cup uh, tour race in XCO or be the queen of Leadville and go pop one off and win Leadville, we'd take the ladder all day because you've inspired that in us. So, um, you know, with, with racing, you know, being... A part of your identity and you having such a sense of self um how, how has this first year been for you um as far as that transition that remake i know you've got the horsemanship you've got the coaching and but just like headspace wise how has it been for you i'll just work with other people's horses and learn you know and and then when that kind of didn't work out the way that i wanted it to i was like you know what i think i need to get my own so that I don't have to be worried about making mistakes with other people's animals. I can like go through the process on my own time and explore it for myself rather than feeling like I owe somebody something. And so I've been shopping the, the Montana Equine Network Facebook page pretty daily. 
and found a little young two-year-old gelding for sale in the flathead or the bitterroot where's 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 this this two-year-old his owner in columbia falls okay and i bought him and um my husband was out of town yeah 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 so he was right in columbia falls right where i lived which made it possible because we have no fencing we have no shelter we have nothing to to have this animal right now and so he's remained at his current home um, temporarily. Um, but that wow. has reignited a flame, I feel like, that I haven't felt in a long time. And it's just wow. like this excitement. And he's everything that I've been looking for. He's um, just a sweet, sound little two-year-old colt. And I get to break him this summer. And I'm so excited just to like adventure into this, this learning process with him um and just explore that bond that you don't get with a bike <laughs> oh this sounds like such a be audacious endeavor rose and this is why i wanted you to i've got all these conversations lined up but i'm a i'm a i'm a, I'm a, I'm a deeply spiritual person and um and and i'm uh, I'm connected. I'm like, I'm connected. You know, yeah. I was talking to my, talking to my guys last night before the game and you know, they, 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 uh, Kamaya always says they love playing for you, dad. They love playing for you. My guys were playing hard last night and we, we, uh, came out and we had a game last night. We got a, a tough one tonight, but for me, like the relationships, the connection, the symbolism. Um, and so for me, uh, as you know, uh, and I'm, I'm going to try not to get weepy here right now because I was getting weepy as you were sharing, sharing that, you know, I grew up with horses and, uh, when I was, when I was eight years old, I got my first horse and, and she was, she was a, a, a retired polo pony, a thoroughbred that we named sweetness after, after oh. Walter Payton, the running back. And, and that was my mom's favorite horse. In fact, here's, here's my, I don't know if, can you see that? Oh yeah. yeah. So that that's that's so my sweet. that's my dear mama with 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 sweetness. Aww, my mom in her in her uh in, in her genes. You know my my mom's family's got deep Wyoming roots. Uh, my, my, my great grandfather Rose, uh, is still, we believe he's still to this day, the youngest to ever win the saddle bronc competition at Cheyenne Frontier oh, Days, uh, wow. down in Cheyenne. We call, you know, we call it the, the, the daddy of them all. He was, uh, one of the first state vets in Wyoming, uh, you know, and, um, he, he's, he's not only in the Cheyenne Frontier Days Cowboy Hall of Fame, but he's in the national Oklahoma City's Cowboy Hall of Fame and, and he's in the Hall of Great Westerners. And oh, so, wow. uh, my mom. Mom, this was uh, this this picture of her and sweetness was on many of her books. You know, she's written over oh. o- over ten books, and um, and, and she loved horses so much. And uh, and and you know, as you know, um, you know, she, we lost my mom in October. And 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 your your email, some of the notes you shared with me about about your dad and and his passing, and just the the the, the way you validated um, what I was experiencing. Uh, we we've had a very difficult fall many in many ways i just say we're riding waves like we're, we we entered our, our the metaphorical winter as a family and we've just been riding waves and 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 treading water and um one of the reasons i wanted you to be our first show of 2024 first one back is because my mom my mom was so fond of you everybody my wife my 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 daughter everybody's so fond of you but my mom particularly was um 
was moved by your, she was always the first to listen to, to, to a, a release, a, a bounce forward release that she, she loved your story. She loved your, your energy. And so, um, just from a symbolic standpoint, you know, I'm trying to do so much to honor my mom and, and then to hear that, like, it just reminds me so much of my mom. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm moved and, and, and touched and, and feel, uh, very grateful to have this time with you here today Aww. and i'm well, excited for you i'm so excited one for other you. detail yeah, yeah. when one yeah. other detail just to cap off what you just said and kind of where i was leading with the the open and closed doors but so my little horse okay. he came with the name chester and he's great so okay. he's not papered so i don't have to worry about um you know a name being connected okay. to him but i renamed him and I chose the name River because it is uh, so symbolic yeah. to um, yeah. how I've really, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I've interpreted a lot of life. Um, mm -hmm. Just like what you said, the waves and the treading water and, you mm -hmm. know, um, and I like the name. It's, you know, kind of outdoorsy, but it is very yes. symbolic to to the ups and downs of life and, you know, the waiting in an eddy or the branches that we might take and, you know, whatever branch it was led me to him. And so, um, mm -hmm. and so I feel like that just kind of caps off that little, that little nugget that you shared, but um, yeah, it's just like a letting your, like surrendering to that too. Like if you're floating easy, it's, it's good, mm -hmm. but you know, it's temporary and, and you're floating easy and you're preparing for, you're preparing for the, the rapids because they are coming eventually. Um, yeah, and... they're covered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now River and I have, um, you... we have some exploring to do together. I love that river rose. You you would uh, I, I, maybe I'll set I'll send you a version of it. You know I officiate weddings down in in Jackson Hole, and it's it, it everything that I've done um, as far as creatively all the slashes. Like you're describing all these slashes in the Be Audacious book. I call it the slash model. You know I'm a I'm a coach, and in coaching, basketball coach, mental performance coach. Uh, cycling coach, and then I'm uh, an author, a speaker, um, inspirational presentations, environmental presentations. Dad is 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 my my pride and joy, and so you know you wear all these hats. And I think for a lot of us in Montana, as you know, like if you're not, if it's not this singular career, you really have to wear a lot of hats and 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 slash it together um, to make it here. But one of the hats I wear is as a wedding officiant. And, and, and that's a challenging one because I put so much into each ceremony. I really customize it. I say, these aren't cake in the box ceremonies. I, I learn the couple's story. Um, I tell it well. Um, and, and part of my ceremony, the one thing I always do, if it's a greater Yellowstone ceremony, um, especially most of them that I do are down in Jackson Hole. And, and it's an interesting gig because Nine, I would guess 90 plus percent of people have a family or friend officiate their wedding now. So it can be a hard, hard sell um, as far as the, the officiating role. I just heard from a, a wedding planner this morning that I reached out to a big one in Big Sky because I, I drive down to 
Jackson Hole four hours down, Fish at the Wedding four hours back. If Kamai and Amanda can go, we bring the bikes, we make an overnighter of it, we ride after the ceremony, we ride in the morning and head back. But with Kamai's swim schedule, I'm often going down and back in the day and Everyone's like, man, there's got to be some some big bougie weddings in Big Sky that'll that'll you know that folks are willing to pay a premium price for a premium ceremony. So I reached out to this wedding planner, and she got back to me this morning saying, I'll add you to our vendor list, but I don't usually need an officiant because we, you know, that they've got family and friends that do it. But my favorite part of my ceremony that I wrote originally for a ceremony up in East Glacier. My sister and uh, brother-in-law run the Mountain Pine. Uh, my, my sister is Ashley Sherburn, uh, you know, Lake okay. Sherburn in, 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 in Glacier National Park. His family oh. goes way back, Ryan Sherburn. And so I officiated their wedding and I've kept this uh, for most of my ceremonies and it's a river homily. And, and, and in that river homily, I take you through the seasons of the rivers runoff when everything you know is is high paced and fast and rich and and then the summer the period of fecundity and succulence with that when everything feels abundant and rich and then and then the fall you know where where we might be sauntering along along a, a quiet stream and then and then the winter season you know where where yeah. where that that flow uh, may not be there and we've got to dig deep and so I love the I I love the the, the name river I love your connection to rivers um but let me ask you what 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 does fitness look like for for rose grant these days like what's your connection to the bike it's great to hear you got the bike packing trip um i'd love to hear about yeah what what the bike connection looks like right now what yeah, fitness looks like no you do a lot of skiing I, yeah. yeah i would say um you know i do tend to be an all-or-nothing person and i <laughs> i think it would be pretty easy for me to shut the bike off completely if i let mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. it's, it's so interesting um but really i'm just trying to embrace seasonal opportunities you know the ski season has been challenging this year to say the least yeah. and so uninspiring really we've had i had one good powder day midweek a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago and it was amazing, but otherwise brutal conditions, just either too warm and too dry and lack of snow, or as you know, like really brutally cold and like storming. Yeah. Um, and now we're back to being pretty like spring skiing conditions again. Um, but yes, I love to, to ski. So, you know, a lot of times I just have the flexibility to, to choose an activity that, um, is going to be the the best for the day um you know whether that be a trail run or a road run or a ski of some kind or it's also amazing to me how content i can be not doing anything i am mm -hmm. almost um, <laughs> surprised um i would say my biggest challenge to myself is to remain faithful with my strength and pt and conditioning work because i am still working out in balances from my cycling career with some hips mm -hmm. and low back and me it's actually kind of like my right side <clears throat> and so um you know it's, i think that's priority is you know as i get a little further into my 40s just to continue to try to feel strong and then with that you know the endurance space pretty much allows me to be able to go adventure um but to but to be fit enough to be able to accept invitations with strong friends, mm. um, you know, whether that be biking or hiking or running. I actually signed up for the Red. I don't know if you. Oh, not, oh not wow. Yeah. Oh, no, we know. We know it well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I figured you would. Um, my my sister in law, she managed. She was one of the managers at the Missoula Running Company for years, so they're always one of the one of the big sponsors there. So she's okay. always always here for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's on so Ama- we'll... that's on Amanda's checklist. My wife's checklist. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see how that build goes. Okay. Just knowing, like, I am working through some yeah. body stuff. If I'm able yeah. to build well, but just also being flexible with whatever distance I can do and. Um, but being well-versed, I think, and just like maintaining just good quality of life, um, yeah. you know, and, and mental wellness and, mm-hmm. um, and being strong and fit enough to be able to accept those adventure invitations. I do tend yeah. to really crave adventure and adventure in the mountains or on the rivers specifically. And um, those just fill a piece of me that, that nothing else does. And so it's important that I'm able to um, take advantage of those opportunities when they arrive so that I can go out yeah. and, and get that dose. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's nothing structured. It's, it's nothing set in stone of this is how fit I want to stay. Or, mm-hmm. And it's nothing like, you know, clearly it's like I want to continue to look healthy and I want to continue to feel healthy, <clears throat> you know, to maintain a healthy weight. Um but that does change as you get older anyways in, in certain yeah, ways. Yeah. And so it's like also the ebbs and flows of that. It's like I might be fitter in the summer than I am in the winter. And um, yeah. we're just kind of going to roll with it. So, you know, but there are days like throughout that really cold storm that I didn't do much activity at all, actually. Yeah. Um, I haven't got to the point where I'm riding indoors quite yet. So I kind of continue <laughs> to put that off. <clears throat> um too many too many hours over the years um, do you foresee you know i know you lot. said I, i've heard you you know i know you said in our last conversation surrendering with rose grant which is a, a great episode where we dive deep into your whole racing history um and you, you you know you talk about the the trainer uh at least in in peak rose grant endurance racing form that indoor trainer became somewhat of a refuge for you um and yeah. yet you know I, i've i've shared with you like i i um <laughs> I, i've been doing some more kind of front loading some some vo2 max work um these yeah. last couple of winters especially especially okay, this yeah, year yeah. just to just to spend less time on the trainer Absolutely, um you know yeah, we talked I about agree. saddle sores and just burnout <laughs> and for me tendinopathies so i've been doing most of my zone two work in the water in the pool because i just enjoy it more uh in in the winter and i found myself entering the spring last year feeling flat and fatigued instead of fresh and firing and 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 uh and 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 managing a lot of niggles and and like i said tendinopathies and so um i haven't i yeah i I don't I, i don't love uh especially if it's just like a zone two 90 minute ride two hour ride so um do you anticipate that's something again that'll just be hey i might jump on the bike today it's it's nasty out i'm not going to go for a run um could, do you see yourself getting on that on that trainer again or um, not just in a different purpose. form no yeah no, i don't think purpose. i would yeah. not without purpose yeah. if i was like decided i wanted to train for something then probably yeah. Um, or if I knew it, I was going to be consistent with it and yeah. it was going to build into something that was meaningful, then probably. Yeah. Um, but could you, could you um, see that happen then again, Rose? Like, do you think there's there any party that want to uh, go like, a, a, you know, win an age group, like go <laughs> yeah. or, or just, or just participate in stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I think participate. 
anticipate. So I don't know. I mean, I, I see something, uh, you know, like more of an adventure, you yeah, know, to yeah. be that, you know, I think this bike pack trip particularly produced motivation for me to be riding in December. Sure. Um, and so I don't know particularly if I would do competition necessarily. Um, I did sign up for the last best ride gravel race. Um, oh, nice. So we'll see oh, what that ends up looking like. It was like. good I, to see you there. Yeah, we got I, to see, we I, got to share a hug. And Kamaya yeah. was so excited to see you in person. And yeah. Yeah, you know, and not really for performance, but mainly to support my community. Yeah. Uh, but I think yeah. I would be motivated to train indoors if I was to go, if I had an invitation, for example, to go do an eight day bikepacking trip with an awesome group of people in a really cool place. Um, I think that situation would provide incentive to do some, some training. Um, yeah. But like you, I did a lot of my winter training in a similar fashion, especially towards the end where I do like my structure on the trainer. So any intervals or specific training, mm. and then I go out and do volume outdoors, normally on yeah. the Nordic skis, but like in your situation, yeah. the pool provides that. Yeah. Um, but just in a healthier space for the long term. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did you did you miss racing at all this first year? Did you have a, a part? And if you did, like, how loud was that part? Like, did it change? Um, did that part vary? Like throughout the summer, maybe, or around around when, when that second weekend in August? Or... <laughs> yeah, there wasn't really even Leadville. There really wasn't any point in time that that I wished I was there. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I was just thankful I wasn't. <clears throat> um, you know, and being able to embrace a different role maybe would be. Do you feel like I know you're coaching that that it feels almost like a ambassador role for for Leadville to some degree at, the, at this point? Um, is that kind of how you see your connection to to, to the to the event today? Yeah, um, I do really like continuing to be involved with Leadville. I um, I'll be going back as a guide again this year, and I was a guide last year too. Um, what was that like being there as a guide last year? It was good. What was that like for you? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's great to see, you know, the amateurs just out there, you know, preparing and and uh, it's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game, a whole different situation, and and one where I could I really offer some value. I felt like, mm -hmm. um, and I'll be going back um, this summer. And we're adding okay. hopefully like a couple days for the girls, for the women specifically. Um, so yeah, I think I like I, I really do embrace that mentorship, the ambassador role um, in coaching. Um, it's a good fit for me. It comes authentically. Um, yeah, so I'll I do like being connected in that role for sure. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, and anybody would be blessed to have you as, as a mentor, uh, as a coach, as somebody guiding them, uh, whether it's on a, a quest to go under 12 and get a buckle at, at, at Leadville or, or it's just navigating. I think that the, the challenges in life, I'm sure you'll find in, in coaching that you often ends up, end up in counselor role as often uh -huh. as you do coaching at times. And, and I can't imagine a better person to, to help guide uh, athletes and, and 
and just humans through kind of the ups and downs and the trials and tribulations of life. And uh, we, we, we are so appreciative of, of you, Rose, and um, I can't thank you enough for your time here today. Um, you, you, any, any final words you'd want to leave for, for anybody taking on Leadville or, or any other big endeavor this year? Uh, oh, hi, man. I think... You know, we're all just kind of doing the best we can with the time that we have and the energy that we have. And I think that, you know, sometimes it's easy to to have the mindset of, you know, I really need to work harder, you know, and maybe that means, you know, jeopardizing some sleep. Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, I think less is more and just be kind to yourself through the process yes. and enjoy the process. Mm. You know, life is really too short to, to, yeah, be hard on yourself and, um, and keep your, keep your expectations uh, realistic and your goals achievable. Mm. I think that really also mm. makes the process a lot more enjoyable as well. Um, so that those reflect the time and the space and the energy that you do have to commit to the process too. That is such great advice. I'll tell you, uh, I think you need to add another slash, Rose Grant. I believed <laughs> this after our first session. I think you, you, our first conversation, you need to add another, another slash as a mental performance and mindset coach because you have that aspect dialed. You are clearly so mentally strong, mentally tough, capable, competent, and you do such a beautiful job, such an eloquent, uh, you have such an eloquent, articulate way of sharing that. And so, um, as always, we appreciate your contribution to the cause. And I think every time you get out and speak and share your story and offer your wisdom, uh, you're adding value. Um, you're inspiring, you're blowing people up. So, uh, I've got nothing but love for you. you. It was, uh, Mm -hmm. it was, uh, it's always a pleasure to get to, whether it's sharing a hug and whitefish at the end of a, uh, end of a race or, getting to share some time with you here on a on a friday in january uh we're just just grateful for you and for for all thank that you, you michael you do. yeah thanks for thank the chat Rose. it was so fun to see you and catch up again sorry for yeah. my cough episode oh don't be and don't be sorry we that's real yeah, life we hope hey, you have, right that's it no we're not trying to we're not trying to fake anything here it's oh, it's real man. and we just hope you have a have a safe and and wondrous uh journey down there an enchanted journey down in the desert i'm sure with your with your with with two of two of your people i'm sure it's going to yeah. be a, a soulful one and you know I, I talk often about uh you know meaningful adventures i think this will be that um you know p- purposeful endeavors it feels mm-hmm. like you've got finding so much purpose right now and then connection to people people in place and yeah. uh, i think anybody who Important. follows you see that you you certainly foster that and and i think that's inspiring to all of us so thank you awesome. rose well, be I'll safe out there soon. thank okay, you okay have some good sleeps under the stars all right Thanks. bye 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 That's it for today. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed the conversation with Rose Grant. To learn more about today's guest, visit the episode page at beaudacious.com 
where you can also dive into my blog, my books, uh, my speaking and performance coaching. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And we'd love it if you'd leave a review or a positive comment and please spread the word, share this episode or any other that resonates with family and friends. And let's grow and become our strongest and truest selves together. Sorry for the audio on this one. I'm without a mic, so I'm recording this from uh, uh, the magic city, Billings, Montana, uh, where the snow has fallen and we're about to go play in a semifinal championship game against uh, Billing Skyview. So that's it. Ahoy ho, my friends. I appreciate the love and support. Until next time, head up, eyes forward, feet moving.